Hello, and welcome to another episode of the special guest series. This is Alex Muir, your host of the Mindset Podcast, helping you maximize your performance. And in today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Empress. Empress is a singer, songwriter, musician, orchestrator, or composer, and a previous ex ballerina. And please welcome Empress to the podcast. And this episode is brought to you by RadioGuestList.com, the number one free radio guest podcast and talk show guest expert interview booking service on the internet. Yeah, and just just your whole um, your whole aura is very very uh, artistic expression, and you got quite the dynamic background <laughs> going from. So most of your career mm-hmm. is a ballerina. And you were in the San Francisco right. Ballet. You've been all over the world, and you know, dancing and and uh, ball, you know, ballerina, and and then you transitioned mm-hmm. to music as of late, or or if you always kind of been in, you know, in the music scene, or or you did you did you do that kind of you know ballet and then well, a little bit I, of music? I was kind of always a been? closeted um, musician forever. It, I started writing music when I was really really little. I mean, I was four years old and my grandmother gave us a piano and nobody in my family knew how to play. I was the oldest. So I was, um, you know, I think I had my, my little brother was one, but, um, so I started making up songs on the piano cause I didn't know how to play, but I had a really good ear for music. So for my mom's birthday one year, I surprised her by learning how to play happy birthday. And I basically taught myself how to do it by my ear and I sang it out and she, um, she was so shocked. I thought she was angry at me. She said, who taught you how to play that? And I started crying because I was like, I'm sorry. Nobody taught me how to play it. I just taught myself. She goes, no, no, no. It's really good. I'm going to get you lessons. This is incredible, you know? And so I started making up music. Um, and I had this Mary Poppins teacher who was fantastic with kids. Like, she made it just so much fun to learn how to play piano. So. I was really, really into music and I was very intuitive with music. I could listen to music, you know, like at three and four years old and just feel the ending coming. Like I just knew it would come. And then I like understood that it was coming and I'd finish and everyone in my family would would kind of be like, wait, have you heard that song before? How did you know that was the end? You know, um, I don't know. I just knew. So I, I started dancing to music and that's when my parents enrolled me in dance classes and I only took dance because I liked to move to music really and then it turned out I was really good at dancing so you know I got a full scholarship to go to San Francisco Ballet School when I was 14 and I never looked back Um, but the music was the reason why I started dancing which is the irony of it all so I got two careers out of it really or, or a few at least um, just for my love of music. Yeah. That's incredible. It was really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I've never, I've never heard of the, uh, the San Francisco ballet. Is that, a, is it a big scene? Is ballet yeah, a big well, scene in California? It's the biggest or, yeah. company in California. Um, it's like the biggest company on the West coast. I would say if, if I was, um, if I was going to relive, you know, like knowing what I know now, 
I would still have gone to San Francisco Ballet because when I was 14 or 13 and a half, I auditioned for a bunch of summer intensives and, and I auditioned for the top three, um, you know, ballet schools in the country, which is um, there's American um, or the School of American Ballet. American Ballet Theater is a good little summer intensive as well, but they don't really have a big school. Um, and then San Francisco Ballet. And I got accepted to all three. And so I had wow. to choose which one to go to. And I ended up choosing San Francisco Ballet because it was the closest. I, did, I was 14, so I didn't want to go to New York yeah. at the time. Um, but I'd always kind of dreamed of New York. But um, but knowing what I know now, San Francisco Ballet has the most incredible dancers from all over the world. Um, we get to do the most incredible repertoire, um, you know, of any ballet company, I think, in the States. We do so many contemporary things. We do classical ballets. It's just like an incredible ballet company. Um, and Helgi Thomason, the director, um, and I, you know, he took a liking to me when I was really young and I was hired as the youngest member of San Francisco Ballet um, and one of the youngest in history, but I was 16 and I just turned 16. And um, so I got into the school and then, you know, it was a quick turnaround. Um, I got into the company and that was my dream. It's amazing. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible awesome. story. Wow, wow. And, um, what would you say is, you know, like you, you've always had the ear for, for music and you've always had the, uh, the visual for how to make the music go with, with the choreography mm -hmm. for your dancing. Um, what, what would you say was your hardest, your greatest struggle that you've had to overcome to, you know, throughout your, um, your ballet yeah. and your music career? You know, it's so interesting because each, um, each career, cause uh, you know, the ballet's, difficulties are so different than music um i would say that for for my music i decided to be empress kind of like halfway through me deciding that music was my calling and i loved singing and i surprised myself by even having a good voice you know like by by being in this silent world of ballet for most of my life and being able to play the piano, that was my music, but it was still silent, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, when I when I found my voice, mm -hmm. it was like it was a shock to everybody. And actually, I'll tell you that story in a second. But there, the two difficulties are like they're so um, very different from each other. And and I'll explain why. I think ballet is difficult because um, you know it's just it's a visual art form. So like for me, I was 16, I was going through puberty when I got hired. So I gained a little weight and I was always kind of in trouble for not fitting in with the other girls. They never, they, you know, legally can't use the, we call it the F word, the, the word fat. <laughs> they can't legally call you fat, but they do it oh, in yeah. so many other ways. Yeah. You know, I was always taken out of ballets and it was really just like, embarrassing and hard it's just a really hard place to grow up so I ended up turning to nutrition and I became a raw foodist you know to compete with all the like tiny little bones that I was dealing you know competing with so I, I actually went the opposite way I went super healthy and learned how to sort of play the game in a really healthy way I changed I changed a lot of 
of the rules of ballet of not eating to eating all vegetables and as close to as nature intended it as possible. So for me, the, the hardest difficulty for me was like keeping up with these, you know, anorexic and, you know, these, these eating disorder bodies, you know, and trying to be healthy in the ballet world. Um, and then for, for artistically, it's difficult in the ballet because you are, always doing someone else's art you're the canvas you know you're the canvas that some artist is painting on so you have to do you have to conform to whatever they want you to be so that was hard as well because you know you kind of lose your own identity as an artist sometimes you feel like you're the you know the yeah exactly you're like the car that someone else is kind of and so that's that's difficult too because you're always trying to you know, be an artist in this world where you're just a canvas. Whereas in the music industry, you are the artist, you are the canvas, you are, you know, it's, it's, I always use the expression, I am the car and I'm driving it and I'm paving my own path. And so that's a different kind of um, challenge, but it's so much easier than ballet that I always joke, like, everything, um, I, I did it in the right order, you know, I went from ballet, then I went to Broadway, and then I went to music and, and, and I, I'm so grateful that I did it in that order because, you know, I went from the hardest to, you know, something that should be really difficult, but compared to what I've done, it's, you know, way easier <laughs> in a way. Oh, know, yeah. Physically. Oh yeah, and, definitely. You know. Yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. Cause ballet is very physically intensive and like you said, yes. you have to be very small um fit into all the oh God, like the yeah, tiniest totally. tightest clothes and you know I was actually and, fired um, for being fat yeah but, I, um when I was 21 I ended up getting fired um because I didn't fit in with the you know the other girl and, and I was so devastated from that because it was my dream to you know to fit in and here I am I'm in this beautiful I mean I'm living my dream but I'm being you know taken out of all the ballets that I've dreamed of performing because my body wasn't, you know, skinny basically. And, um, thank God I had a friend who was a raw foodist and he, he took me aside and he said, Hey Shannon, um, I can't keep weight on. You should try this diet. And I was like, I'll try anything, you know, and it was this raw food diet. And I was so grateful for that because that really kind of transformed my body. It also transformed my mind and the way I treated my body. And um, I got my job back on the last day of the season. It was kind of stressful, but I got it back and I danced for another, how many more years with the company? Six more years with the company before I transitioned to Broadway and my body is, you know, at post ballet, it's healthier than ever. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. You know, you, you really have to take every, every hardship life and just kind of turn that lemon into lemonade. And that's what I did there. But yeah, being, being skinny in the ballet, I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of the territory. That's something that you kind of it's just it's just what it is yeah exactly expected right yeah 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 it's the nature of the yeah you know worth it yeah. if you do it the right way and I might add that my career I was with San Francisco Ballet for 11 years and the dancers that I saw that were unhealthy usually only lasted about a year or two before they got injured and then when they got injured their bodies were so 
um, malnourished that it was really difficult for them to recover from injuries. So the average lifespan of a dancer is really a few years if you don't take care of your body. So it really is incredible what I did 11 years, you know, that, and I know a lot of dancers who have gone longer than that when they take really, really good care of their bodies, um, you know, so 20 years plus. So it's kind of amazing what you can do if you treat your body with respect. And so that's what I'm taking into my new music career is just like, you know, you treat your body with respect, but then a lot more comes with that. You know, it's you treat your mind with respect. You write songs that attract beautiful things mm-hmm. into your, you know, into your life and and others. So. It's a really cool thing. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Oh, yeah. No, that's incredible. Yeah. Because that, that's one thing that I think a lot of people, they kind of know about ballet, but you really put it into context for our listeners um, because because of how intensive it is. And like, I, I'm always like, because I'm always um, thinking about the kind of the fitness aspect and how you, mm. how, how you have to prep and how intensive it is, you know nutrition wise and physio you know physio- yeah, totally. the physiology you have to build mm-hmm. yeah um, and ballet thank you it's incredible <laughs> yeah and i yeah yeah and i like how you said uh writing songs to attract yes like or manifest always the, the, you know that positivity yeah. into your life can you explain um, that a little bit more i was just talking about this with my husband today i was saying you know it's really important when you're writing music to um to always have like a positive outlook on things because that's kind of what we attract and and what we're seeing I well at least what I'm seeing in a lot of music these days is the um pointing the fingers or blaming or pointing out all the problems without a solution it really actually doesn't it, it's like it's great for the artist to be able to vent that's part of art you know but if we really want to change the world you know um mm-hmm writing positive music that inspires people to be better, not in a preachy way. You don't have to be like totally like preachy, um, but just inspiring music, things that make you want to be a better person or to make you, you know, um, attract bigger and better things or dream bigger in your life or empower you to be the best version of yourself possible. That's always my goal in my music in my songwriting you know and I've written hundreds of songs that I have yet to release but they're all positive they're not I try and find a positive spin you know like point out the problem but then here's a solution Um, because I think that will change culture in general I think at least in San Francisco we have a lot of homeless people here and they're getting younger and younger and what I'm seeing physically manifest is these kids who are brainwashed by music, um, you know, because that's the music is just it, it gets um, replayed in your mind and it be, it manifests so quickly. But you see these kids that think, you know, partying, sex, drugs are what everybody's doing because they're listening to it in music, and so they start doing that, and it ruins their lives, and then they're homeless on the street, and they've got nothing going for them because they were always thinking that that's, they were, you know, listening to this music that is totally brainwashing. I mean, think about how much we learn from music, starting with the ABCs, you know, when we're a kid, and everybody remembers that. There's something about music that you, you know, you see, like, Alzheimer's patients listen to a song from their childhood and they can't remember the name of their their children but they can sing a song 
um, you know, from their childhood. Like, how incredible is that? So when you think of, of how music is, you know, and you're programming your mind to think a certain way, then like, you know, that's, the, that's how important music and choosing the right music and the lyrics and stuff that you want to listen to and fill your head with, you know? So anyway, no preaching on my end. I really don't want to be a preaching, preaching kind of artist, but um, <laughs> I think it's really important to empower people to listen to um, positive music because when you start taking care of your body and mind, you start, you know, um, craving different things. And so I think if people start listening to positive things, they see how it manifests in their life then they're going to want more of it. So, yeah. 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 No, I totally agree with you there. And I like how you pointed out that a lot of the lyrics in music is negative and it's pointing mm. out the problems without a solution because um, like, I've definitely noticed that as well. The thing is, I I, I don't think I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, now that you brought it up, I'm aware of it, but I don't, I don't intentionally mm -hmm listen to the lyrics as much as my, some of my friends do some of my friends are like oh Alex did you hear these lyrics and I'm like I'm like I listen to a song I'm like if it resonates with me if, if it sounds good mm -hmm. if it's like got a good beat to it if it's upbeat then I listen to it but if it's if it's if it's not upbeat or if it's too slow or right. if it's kind of like more melancholy then I won't listen to it um but what I have noticed though is yeah some music um I'm I'm much more aware of the lyrics now and a prime example of someone's lyrics like he's a great musician but i think he's just got a lot of um he's got a lot of uh, hardship and mm -hmm. mental turmoil mm -hmm. that he's mm -hmm. still dealing with is the weekend yeah his his, his latest album for instance no, great album very dark, like, dark. Great music but <laughs> if you really i i it's love dark. The weekend it's dark but yeah, yeah. No, this, and, this um, latest album i'm a little bit like Okay, yeah. you know, there's a difference between therapy and then like putting your problems onto the world. You know, it's just it's projecting more of that. And you know, yeah. and I love artists. You know, there's an artist that said something like, in an interview, the interviewer asked, you know, why do you always write songs to your haters? Like it's almost like a, a um, you know, like a note to. You. Well, I'll start. I'll stop writing those songs when people stop coming at me and I think the whole point is people will always come at you if you're putting music out that's going to you know you you're you're attracting more of that when you start saying that it's fine then people are fine yeah. you know you have to be the one and that's kind of the whole point of empress is that you are in control of your own universe you are the center of your world and when yeah. you take ownership and you take care of yourself first then you can take care of others but until you can actually be whole and you can be healthy and sane in your own universe the center of your own universe then you can't really you know worry about anything else otherwise you're going to be attracting whatever anyone wants to project at you so um you know being the ruler over your own life is really the whole premise of how i came up with empress and and finding my identity through that was like so empowering that I wanted others to feel the same way so um when I call myself empress it's not to rule over you Alex it's to be the empress of my own world <laughs> yeah. you know it's empowering to me and I think if I could empower others to feel the same then I will make a difference in the world and that's the whole point yeah 
very, very similar um, thinking from a musician standpoint to a bit to an entrepreneur and business owner. Our tagline or our brand is is our like your mm-hmm. uh, your 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 name as a musician is your is your brand and your and and what you want to portray to the world yeah. and then in a, a business owner it's our it's like our tagline like what is what 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 is our tagline that's going to empower the world and like what do we what do we how are we trying to help the world through our tagline and um, that's why I've been doing a lot of brainstorming mm-hmm. um, like with with my brand and stuff like that, because it's, you know, it's still very new, but I know exactly what it is. And it's, it's, it's helping millennial professionals reach peak mental and physical performance or maximizing, Mm -hmm. maximizing performance in a nutshell, like mentally and physically, because everyone, what I realized was everyone needs help um, with the psychological aspect of things first, because that's where people kind of get tripped up. And that's where I got tripped up um, many times. And um, until I got my head right. Yeah. That's when totally. I started really maximizing my performance um, in the gym, outside the gym, in the office, outside the office. Um, and mm. it, it's, it's when I discovered uh, actually meditation. Amazing. I started meditation three years ago when I was leaving financial yes, services and it I completely changed my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mindfulness. Mindfulness as a whole. Mindfulness, um, the way that I'm... Uh, like totally. thinking about things, uh, just trying to take a step back when I'm mm-hmm. really like, you know, when you're kind of, you're, you're bombarded oh, with thoughts, yeah. and it just, really just take just, five minutes it, to silence. It centers and you, right? It's, yeah. Oh, it's so great. It does. It does. And because, you know, before I was someone that I would say that, you know, uh, I, I always, I've always had pretty good, pretty good thinking and for the most part, but mm-hmm. I still have times like everyone else where I was more reactive and I wake up and I just felt reactive. The whole totally. day. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? Like, what am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm reading the right books. I'm listening to the right music. I'm like doing everything else. Right. And I'm like, something's still missing. And I like, couldn't figure out what it was. And it was, huh. and awesome. I figured it out. It was mindfulness. It was just being more present, more in here in the now. Um, because when you're able to do mm-hmm. that, because mm-hmm. I'm someone that thinks very far ahead. Um, I, I can think, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a, like all about mental projection, you know, and that's great. It is a good, good thing to kind of visualize yourself. Okay. Like, how do I want to be the next five years or where do I want to be mm-hmm. or how do I, uh, how, how yeah. do I want to develop my brand and you know, where I want to go. Um, but at the same time, it's good to like, you know, project yourself in the future, but I also love that. be here and, in the now. And use I want to share a little story about that too, because my parents were way ahead of their time. I feel like the, so they asked us at, at seven years old, I was asked to um, write down my dreams and goals. And it was so cute. My mom, she always said this to me and I still have little figurines all over my, my bedroom of things that she gave me where she reminded me to dream big. And she'd always say, dream big, sweetheart. You know, you can be anything you want. You know, your dad and I are always going to be here to support you, whatever you want to be, you know, we're here for you. So she told us, my brother and sister and I, to write down our dreams. I was seven and I wrote down three things on my list. I was very, um, (laughs) I was that kid. Um, I was, I was going to be a ballerina. I was going to be a singer and I was going to be an actress. And I, um, you know, I knew it was going to kind of be in that order in general. I was like, all right, I'm going to be a ballerina first because ballerinas, um, you know, lifespan is a lot shorter than like a singer. I could sing forever and actress, you know, you only get better with age usually. 
Um, even though Hollywood thinks that it's only when you're pretty and young or whatever. But I think, I think actually the um, you know, knowledge <laughs> yeah. is everything and character actors are like the coolest things ever. Like look at Meryl Streep. She's like gone through so many Tilda Swinton's, you know, anyway. Oh, yeah. um, so I, I decided that that was what I was going to be. And, and I remember sitting on stage um, on the opera house in on the opera house stage in San Francisco and feeling kind of just melancholy, like, wow, you know, I'm living this dream that I had when I was seven. I didn't know there were going to be all of these hardships when I was seven. You know, of course, you don't know. You just think, oh, my gosh, everything's perfect and beautiful at the ballet. So, um, you know, I'm living this ballet dream of mine. Yeah. And I'm feeling unfulfilled because I, I felt like I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't dream big enough. And so... When, when I got to Broadway, I thought, oh, my God, this is everything. This is so cool. I'm like at the Tony Awards. We're winning all these things. This is so fabulous. But there was still a part of me that felt like, gosh, I just feel like I didn't quite dream big enough because I didn't really know the landscape of where I was dreaming. You know, it was like I was dreaming about this this world when I was seven, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know the politics. I didn't know how you had to be skinny. And I didn't know how you did that and all of these things that you have to go through. And I also just didn't feel like I was able to express myself fully as an artist. So with the music, I actually took two full years of dreaming. Like I didn't release a song. I had 150 songs, different so different styles recorded because I didn't know who I was yet as an artist. And I wanted to take the time for the first time in my life where I know what the landscape looks like about it as an adult. And dreaming really, really big. And I've kind of created this, you know, huge empire in my mind. And then, you know, when you know the target, it's way easier to hit it, right? So I figured out who I was. And now it's a streamlined yeah. process. And I attract people that are in line with that, you know, me between me and that goal. I'm like, oh, this is a person, you know, this is a person that can help me get to my target. And and so dreaming to me is like, that is the biggest part of anybody's life. And I don't think we spend enough time dreaming. And I, I kind of learned that pretty early on. I was like, well, I'm a big dreamer. You know, I've, I'm also living my dream, you know, look at me, but it wasn't really, you know, like edited as I went, you know, I was like, okay, when I was seven, I wrote these things down. And then when I was in my late twenties, I was like, I need to re think these that can't just be a one word thing it has to be like okay what does that actually mean what does it mean to be a ballerina what does it mean to be on Broadway what does it mean to be a singer songwriter that's how you know so coming up with Empress was so I gave myself so much time to dream and it takes time to dream you know it just does and that's okay mm -hmm. no I really like that um because I'm kind of growing through that stage right now because I thought financial services, nice. I was very fascinated with stocks. Wow. Um, when I was you were 16. that kid. I love actually, that. It's actually That's earlier great. than that. It's <laughs> kind of started. Yeah, it I know, I know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like the athletic nerd. Like I was always really into sports, but I That's also had great. this really nerdy side that was super into uh, learning about money. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, how can I how can I attract money to me? Um, how can I learn about money? Because I Cause I always like heard about, you know, people that really struggle with money. And I said, I don't want to be that person that 
doesn't that's going like coming into the world yeah. and he has no understanding or concept of money because mm-hmm. it's one of those things people don't like you know not everyone likes to talk about it but it is vital for your for you to um, yeah. get ahead and and totally. um, it, it, yep. money is required with everything that we do whether we like it or not right and I and I was trying to develop that mm-hmm. positive relationship and positive mindset surrounding money because a lot of people, the only reason they, they repel money is because they're very negative towards it. Their mindset is like, oh, mm-hmm. I know I don't have enough, I don't have enough. Well, then you're going to get lack, lack, lack. But I was trying to develop that, okay, you know, how can I teach myself to really mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. I already have abundance and now I'm just trying to attract more abundance, right? Oh, um, yeah. So I read the book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and my dad got me to read that. Oh, my God, and I hear the same. It, yeah, and I was, I was nine years old too. and I kind of yeah, had the an Rich idea. Dad, Poor Dad, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm telling you, I've read it since nine years old. I've probably read it another five or six times since. And every time I read it, I reread it. I just, I, yeah. I, I, de- I just redeveloped this framework in my head of like personal finance and what I have to do to, um, to develop Love those it. skills and, and be, 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 build that abundant wealth. And, and I've pretty much followed it um, you know, mm-hmm. I've had a few, uh, you know, everyone has a few, a few missteps along the way, but I've pretty much followed Love that. That's um, great. almost to a T what he's done in the book. Well, I have a question um, um, for you about yeah, this. Yeah. At yeah. least and my, it, yeah. I read the book when I was nine too. I love that we both did that. It's good parents. Um, the, the question I have for you is, cause I, I kind of took this career that most of the time people think oh well if you're a performing artist you don't make money well I was in the top one percent my entire career has been like in the top one percent of just being an artist that gets a lot of money to do what I do so I was in San Francisco Ballet at 16 so here you're not even supposed to be making that much money at 16 and here I am I have like a full-time job and I'm making you know the most amount of money that I had ever made obviously up until that point from like babysitting to San Francisco ballet, you know, so here I am all of a sudden doing that. It it became kind of ingrained in my, in my mind and in my um, sort of like mental being was that I make money. This is just what I do. And, And like, I came to this point where I just like expected it and I wasn't worried about it because I was always going to be able to make money doing something. Well, because first of all, ballet is the hardest thing ever. So like I knew I always could do something else, you know, um, to make money. But but so for you, do you find that you focus so much on it that sometimes if it doesn't come, you feel like you're the, the person to blame? Or do you get to a point where you're like, oh, no, I expect it to come now. And it just does because the very two different ways of looking at it but it's kind of the same just curious yes yeah 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 no Mm -hmm. um because of my knowledge started so early I feel very responsible when I have financial mishaps for sure um Mm -hmm. I definitely feel (laughs) a lot more like there's a lot more at stake because I know more and but again just because we know more that's not always a good thing either sometimes it's actually better to know a little bit less because you're still going through the movements yep. and the, the practice, just like you do in ballet, just like you do in the gym. Right. And that's one thing that Warren Buffett always said. And I would, I, mm-hmm. I always read in him and Bill Gates and how they invest and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, and, and they always said that. And it's like, um, you know, sometimes knowing too much is disabling and it paralyzes you because you're like, 
you know, you know, all these things and, it, and it's your, your fear see, that's causing yeah. you, causing you to not take the action like you normally would. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my thought process is, is like right now. Cause I just read so, so many great. personal finance books. I was just trying to devour the information because I really wanted to build that knowledge. And the second that I got into the bank, um, I got in the bank. I, I think I was one of the youngest. That's amazing, Alex. Yeah, wow, financial cool. service reps in the bank. I was 20, just 20. I was turning. T- yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool. And, um, and, but I definitely feel like the books, it, it kind of like, it's like, it's like you said, you're just doing ballet for, from yay high for so long. And then mm-hmm. when you were, you know, when, when you did that's get those right, op- yeah. big opportunities, you were prepared because that's what you were preparing your whole life for. And that's pretty much what I was doing. But what ended up happening was, like you said, I got into the politics of financial services. I got really deep, you know, deep. I'm like, okay, I want to do this for life. I want to do this for life. And then I got really into it. And then I later on down the road, I spent four years and I had a great time. I learned a lot, but I later on down the road felt unfulfilled mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. wasn't, it was too restrictive on yeah. my personality. Um, Cause I'm, I'm actually very creative too. And with financial services, you you can be creative, but like you said about the the ballet, yeah. it's someone else's yeah. canvas that they're painting, and you're just a prop in that canvas. And that's what was happening with myself was I didn't feel mm-hmm. fulfilled because I was succumbing to someone else's success, and I didn't feel like I was developing my own. And I've I've always been very independent, and I've always been like, if I feel like someone's trying to, or like, if I feel like that I can't make my own success a priority. And I feel like it's just, I'm just making someone else very successful and I'm not getting any fulfillment that I have to find something else. That's, that's right. More yeah, totally. In wow, tune that's with so my, cool. um, I'm so like, my yeah, so bravo to you. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And like yourself, I've been kind of soul searching for, for these creative endeavors the last few years and kind of the way that my, personalities evolved a little bit you know my creative side was mm-hmm. I experimented with social media I want to kind of learn social media a little Their bit because yeah, I know totally. I kept hearing people that have been building yeah you know, I know. It's careers just like yeah, building their brands through social media for and sure. I was just fascinated by it and mm-hmm. oh, nice yeah and then it all started with YouTube um and then I dabbled with that for a little bit you know I had nice. one video that went viral uh it got 788 views um it was for <laughs> awesome. how i bought a condo at 23 because that was trending during that time um yeah so i did that and then transitioned to uh building my blog that's like the most recent thing that i've been working on and then the podcast so it's been kind of like the evolution of my brand has kind of been over the last i'd say yeah three four years and it's just yeah and my my, my latest cool. fascination is i really want to build my online persona and my brand and and with everything like like you've done, right? With you know ballet to music, yeah. to Broadway, like that's you know, I've done something similar just in a different way, um, and that's what it's all about. It's all about like rediscovering that passion. Like, what is your why? What is what is that something that really makes you click and so really cool. makes yeah. sets your soul on fire? And that's what I've been really that's learning awesome. about. You know, yeah, good learning you, Alex. That's time so taking that time to redream Very again. Cool. Bravo, as we say yeah. in the ballet. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then another thing I want to ask you is, um, what is something unique that people might not know about you? 
I know you've delved into a lot of details and about your let's your see what would be something unique um, I guess and then, something that I yeah. just discovered about myself in the past a couple you know I guess few weeks with the quarantine the self um you know isolation is actually I'm I'm orchestrating a symphony right now and it is the most fun project ever but what I'm what I'm working on right now is just like a plain old classical symphony and when I say plain old it does not mean plain at all but it's it's really beautiful and it's becoming like a new passion of mine because it's a it's super time consuming like I've never had this much time at home to just play around with writing a symphony but um and orchestrating it and doing all of that fun stuff but um yeah the newest and latest thing is actually there's this like classical side I guess from all the years of listening to classical music on stage at the ballet is, is rubbed off and so here I am um you know writing a symphony during our during our 2020 you know quarantine for the wow, coronavirus but um so that's that's been that's like a new thing so I don't just do pop music anymore I'm now you know also a composer <laughs> just been fun yeah wow Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. You know what? You know what they actually say too. Um, I find classical music remarkable because anytime I need something to like, I because I, I I like listening to music while I'm in intensive study or writing something on my blog or researching. I need something to you know some there's some mm -hmm. some yeah. sort of mundane tasks that aren't as fun when you're doing your online stuff right oh yeah some certain certain posting and stuff like that so you need something to help you get that done um and i find classical and lo-fi beats have been very totally um, helpful when oh, i'm for me, doing it's so redundant mundane tasks really that need to be done but there's too many just melodies get, because yeah. I, I start focusing on that. If there's lyrics, I listen to the lyrics. If there's, you know, so I really do need some like chill music. So I've been writing some pretty chill. It's almost yeah. like soundtrack of your life kind of music. Um, and it's been so fun. I'm really excited. And I'll probably release it just because it's a, you know, it's a different side of me that, uh, you know, I'll release it under my Empress, you know, brand because it's kind of cool to have, it doesn't necessarily confuse my pop music at all because people will not get those two confused, but I think it'll be an added layer um, to my, when we start performing again, I might be able to use it in my live performances, which would be really cool maybe to dance to or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, when I listen to, to music to get work done, I can't really listen to like, you know, too beautiful of music otherwise I get lost in the music it's so funny my head just starts going to the music <laughs> oh yeah because yeah. you start uh, like you're saying you start uh, totally. creating that yeah, visual in your exactly head about right. the song and like the environment surrounding the song yeah. right yeah, it's and funny the artist that you say the, the visual too, because when and, I write music, yeah, what, and like, I have a, a songwriting on, partner right? that I write with sometimes in New York, and she and I will be writing something, and I usually have to see see it before we can write about it. So it's it's interesting. It's I I either make the story in my head of what we're writing about, or I draw from something that really happened. And but I have to be able to see it, and I usually see like a full-on music video in my head, so I have a lot of those. 
you know, that will probably never actually become music videos, but at least I see them when I'm, you know, writing it and singing it and it helps me remember the lyrics and um, melodies and stuff by just seeing it in my head. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Like how it works with music that way. Like I've never had that like super intuitive sense with like, I can yeah. like, you know, I'm really listening to the lyrics in depth and creating that visual. I'm more just all visual um, rather than listening to the lyrics, but I'm trying to get better at uh, um, like understand, really understanding the lyric. Cause that's where me and my friend are different. He's like, he's like, we're listening to it. Or he tells me no. about a song. I listen to it. <laughs> And then he's like, all yeah, he's talking totally. about, he's like, oh, did you hear those lyrics? And I'm like, I didn't hear the lyrics, I just heard the song. <laughs> yeah, so. And you know yeah, what? So I'm, I'm definitely still learning. For you. Um, Everybody you know, has. Yeah, their, everyone's just so different. You know, palette and it develops over time. And it's like, you know, my mom was never a ballerina or, well, she didn't really dance at all. Yeah. But she knew, she had a good eye, you know, she, or she knew what she, what she thought was good. And it usually was pretty good, actually. But, um, but like everybody has their own taste in things. So that's art. People get to see what they see and get to hear what they hear. And, and that's actually their version of the piece of art that the artist created. And everybody takes something different from it. You know, so cool. That's the beauty of, of art and creating things is that you might hear yeah. the beat the whole time and somebody hears the melody. And that's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and I think um what I've realized mm, over these last cool. few yeah, years same. is I think I just get tremendous satisfaction of creating something daily. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a piece of writing um on my blog, a YouTube video, a podcast episode. I just get so hyped up for I creating mean, something. I'm like, oh I just created of, that, uh, that, like, that, that that piece of content out of Finding that my space in, in you is not it's it's like it's the perfect way for you to be human and like actually be helping the world and creating more we're supposed to create is what i'm trying to say i guess humans are supposed to create and when we're not creating um you feel kind of stagnant yeah, and that's just yeah. normal that's like a normal feeling that i think um you know a lot of people feel i'm not alone yeah. i don't think you're alone in that but i think it's so it's so cool when when you realize like you really are the ruler over your own life and when you take that ownership you build bigger empires for yourself to live in you you if you can take care of yourself you will build a better world for others because it's just that's just what we do we're we're meant to create and everybody is creative whether they just appreciate creativity from others or they actually participate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've I never like said that, that before, Pretty but I like it too. <laughs> <very participate. laughs> I That's a good one, yeah. Let's see. Um, you know what? Oh, and uh, who is There's your biggest inspiration? There's been a few people that have been like huge inspirations career, career, to me in my ballet, my ballet career, and then also like on Broadway, there were, there were people that I looked up to. With my music, I have to be honest. I have tried to stay um, as like not closed off to others. I appreciate, I appreciate people, but I'm trying to really become my own thing. So I try not to just like 
be someone else or like be um too much like somebody else either so i appreciate everybody's art i love listening to other people's stuff but for now like even with my symphony writing and stuff there's so many great composers out there i'm trying not to listen to them right now because i just want to be myself and i'm finding my own voice for the first time as an artist and i think that that is kind of unique so i don't want to say i am i kind of right now i'm appreciating the fact that i am my own inspiration um, and that I kind of draw from from things that I've heard and I know, you know, there's probably going to be bits and pieces of all the people that I've listened to or seen in my past. But I think for right now, I'm trying to find my own voice. So that's that's what's happening for me as an artist right now. <laughs> It'll change tomorrow, I'm sure. But, you know, as of right now. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. But I can really relate to that. Like, love you know, that. I still love oh, always yeah. doing my own thing, but I always get, well, I, think I always like to get tidbits. That's a perfect way of, of saying it too, is that uh, you, you want to have everyone that I people around you because, that are worth listening to. And so yeah. I only I only really try to surround myself with people that are going to lift me up and make me a better version of myself. But I think for right now, it's not. I'm not going to say like my mom or Beyonce or, you know, some something outside of me I'm really just trying to appreciate my own voice for the first time as an artist really you know because up until this point it was you know in the ballet you do someone else's role you're literally even wearing their costume so it's you know you're always trying to to recreate some magic that happened you know from someone else and so you're always trying to and there's a right and a wrong and now with my music, I'm creating all of that and I'm creating yeah. like who I am. And I think the beauty of artists is when they find who they are and they draw from their own inspiration, which is like bits and pieces and particles of all the things that they've experienced throughout their life. So everyone is going to be a part of my inspiration, but I think I'm just trying to find that on my own right now. Thanks. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was going to make sense or not. So thank you for no, no, it's for, very, for very well said. Giving me a nod. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. I um, wish. And I was double checking no, uh, kind of your social French, media and just stuff. And do you speak and maybe another language? In a taxi, and like then, fluently. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Spanish. Oh. I should learn how to speak more more Spanish. I took Spanish as a kid and oh, French, okay. but yeah, I yeah. I do not speak fluently, and I'd be embarrassed to say that I even speak it at all, really. But I do speak. I understand it more than anything, and I am fluent in body language. I'm really good at that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah unfortunately not <laughs> that's good that's good yeah oh and um yes uh tell us a little bit about stardust world that's like your is that this is like yes. your own entertainment company but it but it, it it's coupled with basically all of your breadth of experience yeah and you're, so and you're helping I other musicians uh, women specifically with uh, building their for myself uh, getting into music when I when I really became empress uh, and I really like embodied that and got it like you know I have a registered trademark and all of that fun stuff so it's like it's it's mine like I am empress this is so exciting um the 
that kind of turned into, well, if I'm going to go to a record label, I'm not going to have the creative control that I have if I'm an independent artist, but I still want to have, you know, an umbrella to call myself like I'm, I'm part of a record label. And, um, and so when I started looking into that, I realized there's a real lack of female supporting females in general in the performing arts. Um, and, and that starts, you know, at a very young age where there's only one Juliet and then there's 40 girls that all want to play Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. And there's just one girl that's going to get it. All 39 other girls are going to just be bummed out that they didn't get it and kind of secretly hate that Juliet that gets to play it. Even though we all pretend to be really excited for her. It's always like that. No matter which way you slice it, it's just really hard for women to support <laughs> women because we're not put in situations where we're able to really fully support them. So I want to change that because I think that, um, you know, right now the hot topic is women empowerment. And I, I find that the, the thing that men do so well is they support each other for a lot of things. I mean, there's stuff that happens and, um, in every, everything <laughs> under the sun, but in general, there's a lot of men's clubs and things where people, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type oh, thing. Yeah. And they, they tend to say, oh, well, you know, if you're looking for a good attorney, I've got a guy for that, you know, and they kind of connect each other with that. So in the, in the women realm, if we want empowerment, we really have to learn how to support each other. And I've always been a huge supporter of women. Um, I, you know, I was homeschooled, so I didn't really grow up with all the peer pressure of, of trying to be prettier than someone else or better than someone else. And I kind of, I was naive in a lot of ways when I first joined the company in San Francisco Ballet, because I was just like, everyone's biggest fan all the time. And I don't think people really understood that it was totally genuine. Um, and so I've always been a big advocate for supporting women. And I, I realized that the 99% of the female founded record labels out there have mostly or all males on their roster. And I was so bummed about that. So I was like, no, not that we're just going to be only females, you know, like we want to be all inclusive, yeah. but I need a place where females feel safe. Um, they feel supported. They're surrounded by great people that they can be creative with, you know, and be themselves. I need, um, yeah. like, these are just the things that I need personally. And I figured like, well, I can't be alone in that. And I thought, um, how cool would it be to start a record label that supports women? It's a women founded, you know, a female founded record label that supports women. And, and it's ironically, it's kind of rare. Um, I, and I didn't do it because of that, but I just thought, wow, there's, there's a, a need for this out there. And so I, I um, started Stardust World Productions because of that and also because I wanted a place to empower myself, to be an artist and have all the say in my career, you know, so um, and really have the freedom and control. Uh, yeah, as an artist. So that's, that's why I did that. And it's been successful so far. It's been kind of fun to just navigate through. I'm learning as I go, really, but <laughs> nobody needs to know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and if you're not learning, it's then what do you do? Oh yeah, no, yeah. no. It, every, exactly. every everyone's learning as they go. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Even even yeah. Then you're not growing. Then you're stagnant. Yeah. 
exactly. But yeah, I've never heard you, you, you really um, said that really well, like about how there's, there's not, there's never that, really that, been a women helping women, women, women like in creative arts out, or that want to have actresses or, louder or, than or um, their words, musicians. You know? There's a lot of women out there saying, oh, I want to support women, but they're the last ones to hire a female. They're the last ones give them their first opportunity they're not the you know it's 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 really all about the action so i'm saying i'm a female supporting female record label and i'm actually walking the walk and i'm starting with myself because you know like empress is is with stardust world productions now and it's like i'm kind of paving a path maybe to like create a a formula to um and we're calling it like the quote-unquote stardust formula so that we can we can help other women and you know have a team of people ready to to help females navigate through this industry and it's mostly male dominated right now but I think that'll change if yeah yeah I think that'll change if women start supporting women more often so and I think that's going to happen really quickly once once it catches on and people feel like wow oh my god this works then yeah. And a lot of times too, and this is in every industry, is you, people just have to see it work once. And then oh they yeah, get it, yeah. You know, so yeah, totally. And open that door. Yeah, totally. Huh? Yeah, yeah. All it takes is one one person to pave the way, and then everyone else follows suit. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's remarkable, Look like how it works. Like change could is run slow it, and first, then all of a sudden, but all it takes is one know, person to see and the possibility of that change before it happens. And then, four minute mile, all of a sudden, you know, so yeah. things just they change really you know? rapidly once they the ball gets rolling, you know. So yeah, so yeah, I'm happy to be. Yeah, I'm happy to be doing that, and I think it'll it'll be a really great thing um, for for women, yeah, yeah. you know. No, for sure. And men, and I, because you know, here's the thing. So I want to empower women, but it's it's so fascinating to me that women um, don't understand how powerful they are with, with the empowering thing because it doesn't come from the opposite sex. Empowerment comes from within. And I, I really find that um, when there, unfortunately, when yeah. a woman is, mm-hmm. is treating or bullying even a small boy, that small boy grows up to be, you know, the emperor of their own life and their own empire. And they have a chip on their shoulder against women. And so you, you wonder why there isn't, you know, there's, there's like Harvey Weinstein's out there that have probably had a bad experience at a young age with their mother or with some teacher (laughs) or something. And they just grow up with this anger towards women. And it's, it's a, it's, it's really up to us. It's, it's ironic, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but, you know, if we bully little yeah. boys, then it's, they're going to grow up and have an anger towards women. So it's actually all the empowering thing is all about raising up young boys to respect and love women because that's all they know, because that's all we give to them. And we encourage them to be the best version of themselves and to support them along the way, no matter what that is and what that means. And yeah, and love them unconditionally, they'll do it right back to us, you know, and then they'll support us in the next generation of men, you know, will be better. So that's, it's really all up to women. If we want empowerment. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And my, my two cents.
No, that that's really well said. And I don't think anyone said it like quite like that. Cause like you said, um, women previously mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. still currently, they, they always feel they need to be right. feel empowered by getting the reassurance by men or by their partner. But that, oh, that, that totally. doesn't, that doesn't have to be the case. Like, like you said, it, it, it you need to develop that empowered empowerment and feeling with from also, within. Yeah, first. and I totally agree with And that. then if you still yeah, need additional course. reassurance, you're just, you're, your man or your exactly partner will be here for you. Like, or they and, should be here for also, you. Um, I think if you need that. Women yeah. need to also use their strengths. Um, and, and they're different than men. So, like, our strengths are not going to be fighting because we're never going to, you know, not never. Women are strong in different ways is what I'm saying, is that mm-hmm. the fighting and and doing what men do best, which is fighting. <laughs> It's never, they've had thousands of years more experience than we have. We are race from like a handicap position, you know, we're like <laughs> miles behind um, in thousands of years, you know. And so really what it comes down to is our strengths are mothering, forgiving, loving, being kind, being creative, being, you know, it's, there's so many cool things that, that are our superpowers as women that we need to utilize in order to have equality. Our equality is not going to be, you know, equal mm-hmm. to a man. It's going to be different. We're just different. Humans are, are built differently. We're, our strengths are different. And that's okay. I think just understanding that our superpowers are going to be different than men. Yeah. And we will yeah. have equality if we understand that we don't have to turn into a man to be equal to a man. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that's where people are—they're um, not understanding—is right. it's, it's the female and male psychology is, is radically different. Um, and as a female, you have to you have to play to your strengths. And as a male, you have to play to your strengths. And it's not—it's not about who's you know like the dominating sex. Like, and I get that there's a lot of you know um, a lot of males that are out there that are, they're like that, that they have their ship on their shoulder and they, they're misogynist and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it's, it's more, you have yeah. to develop the understanding of each other. Like how does a female think, or how does a male think? Like what is their underlying why? And once, once people really kind of, it's just lack of understanding for the most part, people just, mm-hmm. you know, chest totally. puffing, men chest puffing and when we get upset when you know when men are doing that yeah. kind of stuff because yeah men men do that quite a bit sometimes but it's just developing that wanting to understand and developing that understanding for how the opposite sex thinks and it's it's critical because okay. by, by yeah. developing that understanding and, and teaching like young boys and girls like you know oh like you're more creative this is your strength then let's mm-hmm. let's steer you in this direction yeah um, and there's other and there's other cultures that have been doing that for a long time and they're way far ahead of north america like europe and stuff like they will if they see that you got like what let's say you're they're trying to train trying to find the next talented Mm -hmm. athletes let's say you know they find kids that are like got really long limbs yeah it could be good swimmers or good basketball players potentially in the future right so they're so so they're already finding talent very early on because they know what to look for i feel like in our culture, in North American oh, culture, we totally. don't always know what to and look Alex for. We says, think we do, but we don't. It's like you need to um, develop those um, and, skills. 
scouting skills. Like, exactly. And you know, like, it's oh, this really, is, this it's is funny what, that this you mentioned that because oh my God, I always like, say, this is what my daughter um, really good at. Or, ballet oh my God, world, this is what my son you know, really every good other country has been doing it for a lot longer. You know, France invented ballet, so they like to shove that in their face all the time. But, um, but what they do, which is so fascinating to me, is that they do what you were talking about, is they inspect and they like go through all of these auditions, <laughs> yeah. these children, these young kids, just to see if they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to have the yeah. right body type. Not that they're going to be good at ballet or like have what it takes mentally and emotionally to get through the <clears> career because <throat> it's exhausting. And it's just, it's, it was literally named, by the way, in the US, the most difficult physical um profession in the country this year 2020 was dance and like just to put it in perspective like firemen are like number four you know it's like it's seriously it's a it's the most physically demanding thing they also pointed out that a lot of dancers will teach physical exercise classes you know whatever that means um, like, you know, it could be anything from Samba to, you know, like, uh, weight training or whatever. They do that on the side and that actually like exercise and fitness instructors was number five on the list of, you know, top physical things. So, so what they're saying is dancers are just crazy and we're all, we're always the, um, underdogs as far as no one really appreciates that because we make it look easy on wow. top of it all. So it's just, it's a crazy thing, but with that being said, it is the most physically demanding sport in the country, acknowledged by the government now. And, and not everybody is built to do it. And I think what, what France does really well, Russia, China, they actually eliminate the, the ability for people to be like injured. Yeah. They, they're like, yeah. no. You do not have the body type for this. You will blow your knees out because you don't have the right turnout. You're going to have hip surgery at 24 because you're going to be lifting your leg up and it's not naturally going to go there. So you're going to force it and you're probably going to break your hip by the age of whatever, 24. They, they will tell you your hamstrings aren't long enough. Your calf, you know, doesn't, or your calf muscles are, are too tight or whatever. You don't have the right feet or your, your head's not small enough or whatever it is. Like your, your arms aren't long enough yeah. or whatever it is. They will eliminate that. But the beauty of being an American dancer is that we choose to dance rather than a government telling us like, yes, or a school telling us, yes, you're free to train here because you have the right body type. But we, when we score to get into a ballet company, like when I got into a ballet company, it was because I loved to dance and I just happened to have the right body type, knock on wood, you know, even though I was a little bit bigger yeah. than some of the other girls, the, um, I had the right turnout and the feet and, you know, my neck was long enough and my arms were super long and my legs were super long, you know, like I had a short torso. I had all the right things that checked off the box. But that was just like winning the lottery. I mean, like, what are the odds? All the girls in my class, you know, went through puberty and everything changed. And I just, you know, somehow scored. And so you feel like you win the lottery when you become a ballerina in America because you decided that you wanted to dance. It was your choice. And then you win the lottery with the right body type. And you're like, what? This is awesome. But in other countries, they don't even allow people to train because they're like, you're never going to make yeah, it. Yeah. Which I can't argue with being a bad thing i mean that that actually might not be a bad thing it right, is a really right. tough 
tough profession. So eliminating a lot of pain and physical yeah, pain and yeah. emotional pain might actually be, you know, what are you, is it good or is it bad? I don't know. It's like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, and that's, that's the thing where, yeah, the Amer like North American culture is a little mm -hmm. bit different. It's like you can, you have much more choice in the matter. Um, and, but yeah, but Europe, yeah, they're, they're very stern and they're like, well, Alex, you yeah, don't have the lens to play basketball. You're just, you're too short and you're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. And, <laughs> and as, as hard as it would be to hear that, um, like I, I definitely prefer right, totally. that constructive criticism because I'm, I want to perform at the best level I can. And if someone's telling me, Alex, you just, I can tell, like, mm -hmm. and they've got like 30 years experience of analyzing talent in sports. Right. And they said, you're, you're actually not suited for basketball, but you're suited for soccer or something like that. Cause they're like, you can go mm -hmm. long, long distances, but in, in basketball, it's more like short sprints. If they told me that I, yeah. I, no, I definitely, it's very, um, I wonder, take on yeah, that I sport. wonder, I feel I like would. you and I yeah. definitely as crushed as, as crushed as you would be. There's right? a lot of but. businesses out there that would probably, uh, not happen if, if all the kids that weren't going to make it didn't take, you know, <laughs> Yeah, so there, we could be yeah. hurting a lot of businesses. Can in take America. the initiative. Yeah, they, no, I totally hear really it. Yeah, think about that. It, it would change it's the game by the government. But yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's every, it's everyone for themselves. Yeah, and, and especially I, uh, in America, I right? Definitely like, love if you, you want to do something, you got to you got to do it yourself. And that's one of the things yeah. that I yeah. thought of when I was thinking yeah. of Empress. Was like, well, if I'm not going to do it, yeah. nobody else is going to do it for me. They're, you know, I'm the only one that can do this. So, taking that ownership and ruling yeah. your own empire yeah. is really what it's all about. And individually, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, creating creating that space. Exactly. And everybody's version of succeeding is going to be slightly different. But um, yeah. I think it's all about dreaming big continuously. Like, always go back and, and edit those, those dreams. You kind of refine them and clarify so that when you're going towards that target, it gets, it gets more and more clear as you get closer, you know? Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Would Would that be a Would that be like your statement if you were to put any statement? Yeah, I think so. Dream big continuously. I think I think that's it. Refine those big dreams and stuff. It's just it's it's all about. Yeah. Asking yourself, am I dreaming big enough? I think that would be more of the statement that I'd want to send out to the world. Am I dreaming big enough? Are you dreaming big enough? You know. That's that's a great question that everybody should ask themselves, I think, every day. You know, am I dreaming big enough? Because you can make your dreams happen. Dreams happen. I can I'm telling you right now, Love I grew it. up in a small town where there is no dance. I grew up in a, a non-dancer family and um nobody plays, you know, really instruments or sings. Nobody's in the performing arts at all. I mean, it's just there is no reason for me to succeed in the ballet world at such a young age, Broadway, or being a musician and start their own record label 
without dreaming. There's, that's the only reason why I'm here is my, I manifest my dreams and I expect them to manifest. And when they manifest, I ask myself, was this big enough? And then, you know, if it's not, then I just dream bigger. And it's, it's not like a, a good, bad thing. It's just, all right, learn from that. Dream bigger next time. It's, it's you know, but if you're very specific with your dreams, I feel like, yeah, you yeah. know, they happen. It's a snapshot in the universe. When your vibrational frequency matches snapshot, then it, it comes to life. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thanks. Love it. Yeah. Very well said. But yeah, I appreciate you uh, uh, joining I us on the podcast so today, Empress. Uh, got a lot Thank of you awesome, so much, Alex. Uh, awesome, lot of, lot of awesome tidbits and golden nuggets. Oh, this is very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I love Same. people sharing so their story with me. It was so interesting to learn about um, you too, Alex. It was really um, cool. You know, and, and kind you of your so journey much. along the way. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. And uh, really look forward to having you on Thank again in the future. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. You take care. I hope you all enjoyed this special guest series episode brought to you by radioguestlist.com. Again, this is your host, Alex Muir. And if you'd like to learn more about kind of what I do and this podcast, Mindset Podcast, um, you can check me out on my social media. I always post all my links of my social media in every episode that I post. And I share all my posts, uh, my podcast posts on my LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So you'll be able to check out the podcast links on there. So if you want to connect with me, get to know me, I will be answering messages on there. Um, if you have any questions and again if you want to hear more episodes like these or if you have any feedback please let me know uh, in uh, on social media you can send me a message or you can uh, yeah feel free to follow my uh, podcast and uh, be sure to you know keep keep checking in and see what I'm what I'm up to I really appreciate everyone that listens to my podcast and uh, hope you guys all enjoyed and see y'all next time Take care.